Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Found a couple amazing topics and articles over the weekend. And although some of the topics are things we've talked about, I'm constantly finding new perspectives, new angles. Um, and also remember, there's no such thing as too much repetition. I circle through some of the same concepts with clients because a lot of the work in mental health is unlearning what we've already been taught, what we've been socialized within, or what our experience has really led us to internalize. And so a lot to unlearn, but then we have a lot of new things to learn. So I love repetition, which is why I'm always saying, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it, binge, post, share, re-listen, because we need to have resources around us that reflect back to us the kinds of things we need to hear and reminding us the kinds of ways we need to be moving through the world and relating to others. Uh, DMs always open. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, let's jump right in. There are always new things coming out of the uh, relationship, sex, dating, marital world. Oh man, a couple of years ago, it's so wild to say that, but a couple of years ago on the show, I was cataloging them. Unfortunately, none of them good. I wish I had a catalog of new terms because of all the beautiful, loving ways and ethical, you know, full of integrity, uh, ways and situations that are current. Nope. None of that. It's the horrible ways that we're treating each other. We were talking about orbiting and paper clipping and bread crumbing and ghosting and zombieing and all these different kooky terms that really explained all the horrible things we can do to each other <laughs> and all the different ways we can reinforce problematic narratives we have about our own desirability in the world and what's to come and you know new levels of trauma sprinkled throughout our lives you know people are out there dating to make their lives better people are on the apps and i say this all the time when you're on the apps when you're out in the dating world remember you don't know what that person had to go through or what they're going through now so as to be able to get themselves on that date the kind of confidence they had to find or tap into the kind of hope they had to generate who knows um we need more kindness more softness so we're going to talk about some relationships uh stuff to think about and consider um it's a lot of warnings, really. It's like relationship warnings, relationship red flags. I, I hate this stuff, but it's so important. You know, the, the intention of this topic is just to protect ourselves. But as always, please ask yourself if I'm talking about you. We want to start there first. Self-reflection. Are these things I'm doing? Is this, is this the harm I'm causing? Let me start undoing that before I start, you know, feeling so victimized and looking at what others are doing to me. I was talking, you know, in my clinical practice this week with my patients about the idea that the only reason why we have red flags is because we don't have a healthy model for dating. If, if we did and we applied it, we would always be seeing every relationship we have as a, as, a, as a site of learning for ourselves to learn about ourselves, as a site of transformation so that we can heal, uh, heal self, heal others. But we tend to not. We tend to, again, go into our consumerist, possession-driven, me first, what's in it for me. And so we're just assessing the others, always victimized. Um, and again, there's there's some level of, of reality in that. But 
we need to step into a different model where we look at it as a system. They're impacting us, we're impacting them. How can I grow? How can I change? How can I learn about myself? Versus red flags, which are more, I'm assessing them only, what's in it for me, and I'm only considering the impact things have on me. So we're trying to evolve to a better model. Um, yeah. So just remember, as we kind of talk about some of these warnings, I'm going to use that word warnings, things to not do, things to check in on. Remember that they come up gently in the beginning. We track them. Um, we often first feel these things in our bodies, but if something feels off, most likely something is off and we want to really listen to ourselves. Um, because again, we're not, we're not, we're, we're trying to have breakthroughs. We're trying to have moments of transformation. It can't just be as simple as, eh, warning signs, red flags, deal breakers. I'm going to leave. It's like, okay, that was a breakup, but how can you turn that into a breakthrough, a moment where we learn about ourselves, the way we're moving through the world and adjust. Um, it's always about that self-reflection. I love that. And that's what I'm trying to do in my own life. First, by always saying like, all right, what's in there for me to take away? How, how am I moving through this? Let me use this as a lens through which to see myself. Um, I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over until we really, really, really latch onto that. Um, it's not just about what other people are doing. It's also about what we're doing. And I'm telling you, we got to do better. <laughs> Every week I'm hearing more and more stories of how much we can harm each other and the damage we can do. Just like in every, you know, every week in my practice, I'm helping people heal the damage. And, you know, that was done. And that's why I think this is something that's really palpable for me and why I really make this something that I bring up often. Anywho, when we come up next, we're going to talk about some of the horrible things that we do to each other so as to assess ourselves, but also take care of ourselves out there. So it's a little bit of a conversation of some warnings, some of the behaviors that uh, we want to kind of track. They're not great. And then we'll be doing uh, some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page, questions, topics you want covered. All the good stuff. And um, yeah, stick around, y'all, because we got more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. We're going to jump into some stuff. These are things to not do. <laughs> That's the label of tonight's show. Don't do this. Also known as don't be that person. Also known as make sure you don't stay in a relationship if someone's doing these things to you. God bless, as they say. Um, have you heard this word? Actually, no, I'm jumping ahead. Let me, let me come back to where I wanted to start. So I said this to a friend a couple weeks ago, and they were like, Oh, okay. I said, remember, people that move fast, move fast. Be wary of some of those people that move quick and rush in because they'll just rush right out just as quickly. And they were like, wait. And I said, yes. People that anxiously and very quickly attach and sometimes move very fast, uh, they're like, oh my God, you're amazing. I want to see you all the time, blah, blah, blah. They're also the same person that will sometimes panic over the smallest thing and rush out as quickly as they rushed in because people that move fast sometimes move fast. They move in fast. They move out fast. So that's not to pathologize people that find something that they want and that they're assertive and that they prioritize it. I'm not saying that because that, in fact, is what we want. We want someone who's consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. That's beautiful. We're not playing games. We're adults. It's 2022. We're asking for what we want. We're being vulnerable when we find someone and something that we're interested in. So again, consistent, reliable, available, responsive. Bam. Act interested because interested people like signs of interest. If someone likes you, they're not going to be thrown off and needing you to play cool or act like you don't like them. Having said that, people that rush in also are people that rush out. They move fast. They so to pay attention to people that move a little too quickly. It's okay again to prioritize someone, to put a lot of time and attention into them. There's something it's not it's not necessarily about the amount of time or how soon you're seeing them. It's often about the speed around which they're trying to attach. So it's this word that came out of this. And I, I don't I don't like that some of the research has kind of brought that in and the way they brought it in. But there's this word called love bombing. Now, again, I want people to be vulnerable and express how they feel when they feel it. I don't want people to needlessly hold back. I want people to be able to express desire and express interest and in whether or not the other parties are there at the same time feeling it as much as, you know, someone else is feeling it. I want people to still be able to say like, I really like you or I'm falling in love with you. That's not love bombing. Love bombing is the misuse of 
flirtation and courtship. Love bombing is the manipulative tactic of trying to use cute, flirty, courty, romantic things um, in order to get what you want. And sometimes it can be dangling a little carrot and leading someone on. Um, sometimes it can be saying just enough and showing up when you need to before you're going to lose someone because you just want to have a lot of people around you in your life. It really comes, it, it does not come from a place of authenticity. Um, and so it's a misuse of these courtship behaviors. So I'm saying two things. Again, express your feelings as you have them. I'm saying don't be put off if someone is expressing interest or care or love sooner than you're comfortable with or familiar with. It could be very much coming from a place of their strength and authenticity and vulnerability. But if you feel like they're saying it and there's a manipulative tactic to it because you were going to maybe leave or you maybe weren't that interested or they're trying to force you into a relationship that you're not ready for or you're feeling as though they don't really know you but they're flooding you with a lot of love, care, and attention, they might be love bombing you. Um, I don't really want to make the point that though, I want the point to be more, move at a pace that feels comfortable for you and there is no correct speed. But again, if you're setting boundaries and you're putting up some, some speed bumps and the person hangs in there with that, that's a good sign because that means they're willing to you know, put in the time and energy. Um, some people expect things quickly and right away, and the minute you show that there's some work to be done, or that you know there might be a little bit of conflict, or that you might not be exactly on the same page at the same time in the same way, some of those people bounce immediately. Because those are also some of the people that fall under this construct of like soulmate. Well, if you're my soulmate, it should be easy. We should be at the same place at the same time, in the same way, eye to eye, wanting the same things. No. And so, again, as I always say, you know, the first sign of conflict is how we really learn about a person's mental health, but also the health of us as partners. Same thing with that as well. Early on, if you present to someone who's different from them, how they manage that matters. When you first show incompatibility or difference. In the beginning, it's a lot of fantasy and a lot of projection. And we want to assume that like we can handle everything and that everything is compatible and that everything is seamless. People will put themselves out for you. Oh, it's totally fine that you stay up late and I don't. I'll stay up late with you. And everything's really cute and shiny in the beginning and we're expanding ourselves and challenging ourselves. But the minute there's like a difficulty and you say to them, I don't like what you just did, or I don't like that, or I don't agree with that, or I'm sorry, I don't drink and I know that you do, or you like bars and I don't, or I get up early and you don't, how they show up to that matters. Um, and some people move very fast, and so they jump over those milestones, and those milestones are powerful moments of learning. And they'll move fast in, and then the minute they realize, oh no, you're a real person, this relationship's gonna require some work, there's a little bit of dis you know, disappointment or frustration, often they turn around and run just as quickly. So my point is, allow disappointment, allow frustration, allow yourself to be seen as a separate, different person with different needs, and how they tolerate that and whether that really, really, really matters. Um, and love bombing, again, is this way that people will sometimes misuse courtship and the use of saying I love you and doing really cute romantic things, they'll do it very quickly. And often it's a way to kind of get you on the hook. And then a lot of bad behavior kind of follows. And that's why it t tends to have a negative spin. I'm gonna do what I need to do to get you hooked and to keep you hooked. I don't really mean it, it's not really about you. I just wanna have you, I don't wanna lose you. Um, and it's usually coming from a place of like narcissism. That was a whole lot woven into there, so. <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to kind of uh, break some of that down a little bit more. Um, I think there's a lot in here, and there's a couple of interesting tidbits coming up. I, I really, really, really like tonight's topic. So stick around for that. DMs, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. It's questions, topics, things you want covered, things you want us to circle back to. And past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. Stick around, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, this is probably one of my favorites. Have you been out listening to a conversation? Maybe you're on a date and the conversation comes up where it's like, oh, tell me about your exes. Tell me why you're single, blah, blah, blah. Or you're with a friend and they're you know telling you a story about their dating history. And they start to define everyone they've dated as a jerk, toxic. Now, of course, on one hand, that could be true. 
but there's also space for them to maybe be actually telling on themselves. And what they're really saying is either A, I stay in relationships longer than I should. B, I kind of choose the wrong people. And there's a lot of work I have to do as to why is it that I find these people intriguing and form relationships with them. Or C, they have zero self-reflection and don't understand how they're a part of some of that cycle. And also don't realize that they are marketing themselves problematically to future partners by saying at some point, I'm going to be talking poorly about you as well. I, I'm not a fan of people gossiping or bashing their exes. I always say that on the show. Don't put them on blast. Don't put them down. Don't talk smack on them. A multitude of reasons. Why? It looks badly on you. Um, yes, there are some things that you want to warn people about if someone you know might be dating them, but that's a very fine line. Not really a fan of that so much. You don't know how other people will relate with them. Just because you didn't pull it off with someone doesn't mean that that person can't pull it off and have a beautiful relationship with someone else. Um, and... We want to just get a little bit better about looking at what can we learn from this? Because that's where the conversation really should go. Oh, instead of saying that person's toxic, they're my ex. It's, oh, let me tell you what I learned about myself while in that relationship. A lot of self-reflection. But again, people let us down. People disappoint us. Just because a relationship didn't work doesn't mean that person is bad, wrong, or toxic. Although sometimes they are. But the real key is getting insight and you're giving insight into the people that are listening about yourself when you're blaming all of them because you chose those people. You're in a relationship with those people. And you're also telling people that if we ever dated and didn't end well, you'll also be, your name will be put in that pile of people that I'm calling quote unquote crazy. Now it's a little bit of an ableist term, but bigger than that, not the point. The point is just that it's interesting when you'll hear people say, it's just a list of negatives for everyone they dated. And it's like, you are the common denominator. And sure, there's a world in which all these people manipulated you and lied to you and were toxic and there was no way to have seen that coming. I will hold space for that. Maybe you were truly victimized. But it's a re... But it also, it says so much about you. So a couple things. It's not true that you'll see every red flag from the door. Although if we are honest with ourselves, you will see a lot of them. It's that we brush them under the rug because we think they're hot enough or cool enough or we really want this to work. So that's in there. I'm just going to say that. I like how I drop my voice when I say that. <laughs> I do think, though, if we date from a model of authenticity, and again, for those that are married for a thousand years listening, this still applies. If we date or we relationship or we run our marriage from our truth based on who we are, not out of the anxiety of I have to make this work and keep this person at all costs so I perform or I sell a dream or I misrepresent who I am, then we will get from the door a better sense of us and them. We can make necessary changes. We can use it as a moment to grow. We can realize this isn't something that's right or healthy for me. Sadly, I work with some people that are decades into marriages where they're still not showing up as their full self because they've been shown by this partner or somewhere else in the world that their true self isn't lovable or dateable and they're afraid of bringing it up and bringing it in. Now that's a different segment. That's a segment on self-worth and self-esteem and healing that trauma. This is really more about building a relationship based on a lie, not really who you are. And that's why I tell all my clients, like we go on dates to be known, not to be liked. And if you move through all your relationships thinking the goal here is to be liked and to do whatever I need to do to be liked, then you never really get to internalize that I'm worthy of love and care. But bigger than that, you build a really fragile relationship. And that's why I say from the door, be authentic, be vulnerable, be who you are. And a good date is sometimes realizing we are not a match because two real full total people showed up and we're not going to end up in a relationship or down the road. We have to figure out how to deal with all these incompatibilities. So date to be known, not to be liked. Say to, you, say to yourself on your date or even 10 years into your marriage, am I working on being known? Am I truly moving through this relationship as myself? Saying the things that are honest for who I am, sharing my true opinions about things and allowing disappointment and frustrations to emerge because we are truly two separate people. Some people go on dates acting just far too likable about everything. Of course, bring your better self, but your better self within reason 
because sometimes I, I, I've heard friends telling me where they're going on their dates. And I'm like, you hate that kind of food or you don't like baseball games. And again, I'm all about us being influenced positively. I'm all about us stretching ourselves and who we are. I'm all about us compromising, but just make sure that's exactly what that is. And you're not pretending or performing that you love baseball games and you'll go all the time or pretending like you love bars or pretending like you love sushi when you don't. I, I had that part of myself at some point, right? I hate sushi, but I'd be like, sure. And I was like, wait a minute. No, just say to them, you know what? I'm not a fan of sushi. Let's get pizza instead. Because there's also a learning moment in that. How do they deal with disappointment and frustration? How do they deal with realizing you are not a perfect twin of theirs? That that they will have to compromise. We learn so much about other people when we let them step into disappointment and frustration. And so we're trying to move away from this idea that the problem was always them. All right, we got a uh, coming up next. We're going to do some DMs, and then we'll come back to talking about um, these warnings. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So stick around. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, topics you want us to hit, things you want us to drop deeper into, let us know on the DMs of our Loveline IG page. That's where all these questions come from. Always confidential and anonymous, unless you drop your name in there. We're happy to give you a shout-out. Uh, helping others as you help yourself, you know what I mean? Uh, let's see, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I dated this woman for about six months before she moved away. We decided to split ways, up, uh, onwards, up and onwards, right? We're friends now, but in all honesty, she is someone I see myself with in the future. Okay, I love that. Uh, now, even though we both are not ready for a relationship, I feel like I can't even casually date without her on my mind. How can I compartmentalize these feelings and still enjoy my time being single? I love that question. So that question is able to exist because you aren't currently dating anyone because I promise you, as soon as you get back out there and start dating, whatever that means, hitting the bars, asking people out at the gym, you know, going on the apps, as soon as you like someone, um, your mind will naturally start to focus on them. That's part of the evolutionary process that is built in that helps us form relationships. When we find someone of interest to us, we are drawn to them. We think about them. Think about it. If we didn't have something that pulled us in and hooked us, we wouldn't go on dates and take the time and money to go out and do stuff with them and to you know, check in on them and text them and see them and all these other things. So in early stages, we haven't really neurologically mapped out early stages. It's a lot of like lust and, and we see something attractive and we're drawn to them. And then um, dopamine spikes every time we think of them or we see them or we get a text from them and that makes us want more of that. And then our serotonin drops and that's what leads to us obsessing and thinking about them more. It's a healthy process. Once you are in that process, you, 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 you will compartmentalize naturally. You will be focused on that desirous person that's in your town locally that you are seeing and this other person who's moved away will be just in the background. So this question exists because there's no one of interest to you. But I promise you, as soon as you have interest in someone, that's where your attention will go, your time and energy, and you will just inherently compartmentalize. Um, it's how the world works, which is why some people say, if you're trying to get over someone, start dating someone new. It'll draw your attention, distract you, it'll give you hope, it'll give you a sense of desirability, or if you don't feel like you're up for that, go out in the world and do some new novel things. Again, new things to put your time, energy, and tension towards while also letting yourself feel the feelings. Um, it's a natural process. Let it, let it do its thing. Let it, let it take over. That's what, I, that's what I love about mental health. A lot of it is, is biopsychosocial. It's not just this psychological part of your question, which is like, how do I naturally in my mind compartmentalize and put my, you know, X over there and hold space for someone else. It's like, dude, you just got to let the, the bio social take over, get out in the world, meet someone. And then your biology will zero in on them. Like I said, and the natural process will begin. And then you might not even want this former person, you know, um, cause we never know how you'll grow and change. They might not be compatible down the road for you. And you might not even have the space for it because you might move into other relationships. So I'm glad you're giving yourself that opportunity. I hope they're giving themselves that opportunity as well, based on wherever they're at. Um, 
it's what I love about the nature and emotions. You know, it's like emotions. If we just ride them out and stop shaming them and we feel our feelings, everything will subside and we reach its natural point, but we block things and we don't let things complete. And dating's that way as well. Just be open and let it all naturally do what it does. Our bodies are a wild system. We're always learning so much more about them. Quite complex. And the interpersonal neurobiological system telling you when you let it do its job, it generally leads to good things. So, um, stay open. I always laugh about that though. Uh, how some questions only are only able to exist as a question or an issue because we haven't really stepped into the solution. And once we do, we're like, ah, yes, there it is. I'm on that path. So, all right, y'all, I've got a DM first drop in the DMS on our love line, IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to and uh, past episodes of love line. You can check those out by going over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare. Lots of good stuff over there. Um, yeah. But coming up next, <laughs> we're going to keep talking about relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly, how to take care of ourselves while taking care of other people. So stick around. More to come. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about some relational warnings, uh, trying to, again, lead from our better selves, learn about ourselves. We're talking about a whole bunch of stuff. We're talking about love bombing. People that move quickly into relationships are the same ones that bounce and run away the minute there's an issue. They move quick. They move quick in. They move quick right back out. So, you know, try to find those people that maybe have more of an even pace. Uh, actually taking the time to get to know you versus falling in love with the fantasy they've created of who you are. And then they bounce the minute that that shattered. Oh, that's a gnarly one. You know, they love bomb you. They flood you, with, they flood you with love and care and appreciation and affection, but they don't even know who you are. So it's not even about you. They're not in love with you. They're in love with the idea of you, the idea of you that they created, the idea of you that they created that isn't even really who you are. And they move so fast and they really want to make this work. But again, they haven't taken the time to get to know you. So you don't feel confident. You can't even trust those compliments. You can't even trust your time together. And then the minute you disappoint them or frustrate them, they bounce and they run, which is why we want to move slower and put up a few speed bumps and kind of just see how they handle the real us, which swooped into the other thing we were talking about, which is the fact that we can't always be talking about other people's problematic. We have to be looking at who we are. And we also don't want to be moving through our marriages and our relationships and our friendships, selling a dream and performing likability and agreeability if we really do have differences and distinctions. And the earlier we can bring them into our friendships and our family lives and everything else, the more we can learn about how healthy this person and we are in relationship to them. It was a mouthful and there's a lot of gems in there. So I hope you really held on to all of that. Um, other things that we want to think about and other warning things are, this is kind of random, but I think it's really important. And this came up in some of the research um, I was doing actually on another topic. And I see it also on dating apps a lot where people will reference a red flag or a warning sign or just something to be aware of when people are rude to service industry workers. I thought we already knew this. I thought we were already on the same page, but let's get into it for a second. If someone takes advantage of their position because they're a guest at a restaurant or a coffee shop or hotel or whatever it is because the flight attendant or the barista or the uber driver or the server is working thereby in a position of far less power and obviously they need the job no one has a job for any reason other than they have bills to pay which is why i laugh when people are thrown off when someone's like yeah i want the job because i have bills to pay you know what I mean? Like, that's why we want jobs. And we have to be able to acknowledge that. We're here for the money, y'all. All bosses need to know that. We're here for the money first because we got bills because ain't no one else paying for our healthcare and our rent and our gas and our food. We're here because we need money, first and foremost. Not because we want friends and family. Our coworkers are not our family members. They are our coworkers and we're all here for money. We can acknowledge that. It is not okay for people to take advantage of that because the server, the employee is in a position of, I need to be here. So I have to take whatever you throw at me. Healthy people are always kind. Healthy people don't do a hierarchy. You are you are better than no one. You are, you've, just because of the fact that you're the one dining in that restaurant doesn't mean you're better than the server or the bartender or the host. Um, even if you have way more money than them, you are not better than them. You are, no one is better than anyone, but we have these artificial hierarchies because someone's your dad. Nope, nope. 
everyone gets the same level of respect because they're your boss, because they're, I don't know, a police officer, because they're your teacher. Everyone should get the same level of respect. It, these are arbitrary roles. Everyone should be treated with care and respect. If you're on a date with someone and they take advantage, that is a big warning. That is a big red flag. And you should thank them for that. I remember I was having lunch with a friend and this was a newer friend. And we sat down and within minutes, I could not believe what this mofo was saying to our server. He was so freaking rude. And I said to him immediately, I was like, you cannot talk that way to that person. <laughs> and he fought back and he was like, please don't tell me how to act. And I said, I absolutely will when you are acting like an oppressor, you are being verbally abusive and you are not gonna do that in front of my face. Guess what? We are not friends because they were not open to hearing that. But I refuse, as I say to everyone on the show, something's a, a disappointment or frustration. Roll with it. Right sides it. We got to learn how to deal with it. But when we see an injustice or abuse or violence happening, you better stand up. You better speak up. You better raise your voice. And we are responsible for those around us. I am responsible for our server. I darn right am. It's not, well, don't worry. You're not responsible for them. They're not. I'm responsible for everyone. We're all responsible for everyone. We have to get away from the idea that because these arbitrary labels of friend, neighbor, family member, that only people with certain labels and certain levels of closeness, we, have, we only have a responsibility for those people. That's not true. A lot of people fall outside of those labels. We are responsible for everyone. If you see someone across the street getting harmed, you're responsible. I would say this on the show. We can say, nope, I'm only worrying about my country. We can say, nope, I'm only worrying about my state. We can say, I'm only worrying about my city. We can say, I'm only worrying about my neighborhood. We can say, I'm only worrying about my family. We can say, I'm only worrying about myself. These are all arbitrary boundaries. We should be responsible for everyone around us. It's called community care. It's called collective care. It's what I hoped we were going to learn during the pandemic, but we didn't. Um, but we're seeing a little bit of it with how everyone's showing up to what's going over, you know, in the Ukraine. Um, more of that for everyone. And people in lower positions of power need people in higher positions of power to stand up for them because you are closer to those below you than you are to those above you. And so we got to stand up to those with less power, not those that have all the power. They're good. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about these relational warning signs and I'll drop a few little social justice nuggets in there as always. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, here's a big one. You ever been on a date and uh, someone showed up and they don't at all match their profile? This is where, again, I go back to what I said earlier in the show, don't sell a dream, bring the better version of who you are, but within the context of who you really are. If you show up and you are far from who you said you were based on how you look, how you move through the world, what you're interested in, you're just making yourself kind of look like a fool. And trust me, I appreciate that there are certain things that we've decided as a culture arbitrarily give someone more worth and value and desirability. I appreciate that we want to try to align with that as much as we can, but it's also not fair because there is this concept of consent and informed consent. And let me just use myself as an example. If, if I go on a date with someone and you ask me out on a date, I'm consenting based on the information you've given me. And if you're giving me misinformation, then I can't consent. It is not informed consent. And so that matters. And it's a, it's understandable that someone could be mad or frustrated if you show up and you've been lying or manipulating them because they then did not consent. They consented to a date with the person you pretended to be. They did not consent to the date of the version you actually are. And again, I get it. My heart goes out, but it doesn't, you don't win any points. And I'll say this on the show. You do not need to stay on a date with someone who lied or manipulated. You have a right to say, you know what? Unfortunately, you manipulated and lied and I did not consent to this date. I'm out of here and you can go. You can. I, I, I get it, but it's not fair and it's not okay. It's a boundary violation and it's a, it's a misuse. Um, I've never actually had it happen to me, but I have clients and I have friends where it's happened to them. Again, a total lie and manipulation as to who they were, what they looked like, what they do in the world as a way to try to, I don't know, force themselves on someone. Um, it's not okay. Again, consent matters. And if I am going on a date, I'm going on a date with the person you've told me you are and based on the photos you've sent me or I've seen on an app. And if it's anything different from that, I'm getting up and leaving immediately because um, I've been lied to and I didn't consent. We got to get better about it. 
um, as we're doing the larger work of changing all these standards and hoops that people have to go through to feel cared and loved for that still that that individual experience still isn't okay to force on someone so got it we got to acknowledge that um and so we also have to work on having self-esteem based on who we are. We also have to act. We also have to step into holding more space for diversity and all of that. It's macro work and then also the micro work, but it's a little bit of both. Um, so think about that. Um, also, I'm like, I'm going to keep dropping some of these little tips throughout because I just want to remind you all this because this came up again in my practice. People will feel as though they're having a great time with you more. If you ask them questions about themselves, can't say this enough. I'm going to say it on the show like weekly. If you're hanging out with a friend, a family member, on a date, whatever it is, the more you have the other person talking, the better they're going to feel about the time with you, the experience, the hangout, whatever it is. Try to track if you're occupying and dominating the space. There's nothing worse than feeling as though someone's not giving you time, attention, or listening to you. I told you a joking, it was, it's true, uh, but I was on a date many, many, many years ago, and I kept feeling like I had to remind them that I was there, and I walked away having learned so much about them, but they had learned nothing about me, and it just made me think this person's like, maybe just anxious and nervous, but unfortunately I don't know them enough to know that. And it just felt a little self-centered, self-obsessed and narcissistic. And it didn't make me want to see them again. And if you don't know someone, you don't really know what part of them is creating this, this system. So just remember to show up as yourself. What should you talk about on a date or when you're with your friends or family members, the things that are honest that you truly enjoy? Um, where should you go? The kind of places you like to go. What should you wear? The kind of things you like to wear on a date. You shouldn't think what would they want to see me in or where would they like going to dinner? You should say, you know, I'm getting to know them. We should go eat at the kind of places I like to go eat so I can see how they fit into my life. And I should wear the things I like to wear. I should go on my date dressed as myself. <laughs> um, I'm hyper casual. So I roll into all dates wearing like sneakers and comfortable clothing. That's how I dress. And if that's an okay from you, then good to know we're not a match. I'm also, you know, plant-based. I eat at plant-based restaurants. I have no interest in going to a restaurant where I can't find something on the menu or they have this one thing and one thing only. I don't know anyone who wants to go to a restaurant where there's zero or one thing only on the menu for them. So these are important parts of ourselves to lead with. So as to assess someone's sophistication, ability to participate in our life, whether they're a friend, a loved one, or whatever it is. Um, so we want to lead from our best, but again, within the best of the context of who we are, because all of this really is about mental health and mental health is moving through the world based on our authentic self, our total and full self at all times and all places with all people. That is the most idealized romanticized version of mental health in action. So even though I'm kind of talking about some relational warnings, um, and stuff like that, it's really still a lesson in mental health. And we all need mirroring. We all need to hear and see the important parts of us get engaged and reflected back. And you can do that as someone's friend or family member or date while you're out with them. Um, and we want to do that for other people. So we want to really be aware of that. There's nothing more lonely than being around individuals, other people, and feeling as though, again, who you are isn't important or who you are isn't being engaged. So sometimes you have to remind someone, though, that maybe they're not and you know, taking, uh, how would you say? Yeah. It's nice to remind people that like they're occupying all of the space and to make some space for you as well. Not everyone's aware of themselves. Um, but you know, again, if that's kind of a consistent reoccurrence with that friend or that family member, it's very understandable that that's not someone that you then enjoy spending future time with. And sadly, we don't live in a culture where people are really comfortable being told what it's like to relate to them. Like, hey, listen, I've had a really great time with you, but it often feels like you don't really take notice of me being there or take an interest in who I am, what's going on in my life. It would mean a lot if you could ask me some questions. I think that's a beautiful soundbite that I just gave. And I want us to be all, I want us all to be able to hear that. But for some people, they're, you know, they're very fragile and that's very threatening. It's very overwhelming and the relationship can't handle that much honesty. But I want to live in a world where we can do that you know, said with love, because it's really a sign that I want to be able to keep you in my life. And this is what's necessary to do that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about um, how to be a better person. Isn't that really what all this is about? How to be a better person. Um, and we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, here's a big one. You ever been on a date 
and uh, someone showed up and they don't at all match their profile. This is where, again, I go back to what I said earlier in the show, don't sell a dream, bring the better version of who you are, but within the context of who you really are. If you show up and you are far from who you said you were based on how you look, how you move through the world, what you're interested in, you're just making yourself kind of look like a fool. And trust me, I appreciate that there are certain things that we've decided as a culture arbitrarily give someone more worth and value and desirability. I appreciate that we want to try to align with that as much as we can, but it's also not fair because there is this concept of consent and informed consent. And let me just use myself as an example. If, if I go on a date with someone and you ask me out on a date, I'm consenting based on the information you've given me. And if you're giving me misinformation, then I can't consent. It is not informed consent. And so that matters. And it's a, it's understandable that someone could be mad or frustrated if you show up and you've been lying or manipulating them because they then did not consent. They consented to a date with the person you pretended to be. They did not consent to the date of the version you actually are. And again, I get it. My heart goes out, but it doesn't, you don't win any points. And I'll say this on the show. You do not need to stay on a date with someone who lied or manipulated. You have a right to say, you know what? Unfortunately, you manipulated and lied and I did not consent to this date. I'm out of here and you can go. You can. I, I, I get it, but it's not fair and it's not okay. It's a boundary violation and it's a, it's a misuse. Um, I've never actually had it happen to me, but I have clients and I have friends where it's happened to them. Again, a total lie and manipulation as to who they were, what they looked like, what they do in the world as a way to try to, I don't know, force themselves on someone. Um, it's not okay. Again, consent matters. And if I am going on a date, I'm going on a date with the person you've told me you are and based on the photos you've sent me or I've seen on an app. And if it's anything different from that, I'm getting up and leaving immediately because um, I've been lied to and I didn't consent. We got to get better about it. Um, as we're doing the larger work of changing all these standards and hoops that people have to go through to feel cared and loved for, that, still, that, that individual experience still isn't okay to force on someone. So... Got it. We got to acknowledge that. Um, and so we also have to work on having self-esteem based on who we are. We also have to act. We also have to step into holding more space for diversity and all of that. It's macro work and then also the micro work, but it's a little bit of both. Um, so think about that. Um, also, and like, I'm going to keep dropping some of these little tips throughout because I just want to remind you all this because this came up again in my practice. People will feel as though they're having a great time with you more if you ask them questions about themselves, can't say this enough. I'm going to say it on the show like weekly. If you're hanging out with a friend, a family member on a date, whatever it is, the more you have the other person talking, the better they're going to feel about the time with you, the experience, the hangout, whatever it is. Try to track if you're occupying and dominating the space. There's nothing worse than feeling as though someone's not giving you time, attention, or listening to you. I told you a joking, it was, it's true, uh, but I was on a date many, many, many years ago, and I kept feeling like I had to remind them that I was there, and I walked away having learned so much about them, but they had learned nothing about me, and it just made me think this person's like, maybe just anxious and nervous, but unfortunately I don't know them enough to know that. And just felt a little self-centered, self-obsessed and narcissistic. And it didn't make me want to see them again. And if you don't know someone, you don't really know what part of them is creating this, this system. So just remember to show up as yourself. What should you talk about on a date or when you're with your friends or family members, the things that are honest that you truly enjoy? Um, where should you go? The kind of places you like to go. What should you wear? The kind of things you like to wear on a date. You shouldn't think what would they want to see me in or where would they like going to dinner? You should say, you know, I'm getting to know them. We should go eat at the kind of places I like to go eat so I can see how they fit into my life. And I should wear the things I like to wear. I should go on my date dressed as myself. <laughs> um, I'm hyper casual. So I roll into all dates wearing like sneakers and comfortable clothing. That's how I dress. And if that's an okay from you, then good to know we're not a match. I'm also, you know, plant-based. I eat at plant-based restaurants. I have no interest in going to a restaurant where I can't find something on the menu or they have this one thing and one thing only. I don't know anyone who wants to go to a restaurant where there's zero or one thing only on the menu for them. So these are important parts of ourselves to lead with. So as to assess someone's sophistication, ability to participate in our life, whether they're a friend, a loved one, or whatever it is. Um, so we want to lead from our best, but again, within the best of the context of who we are, because all of this really is about mental health and mental health is moving through the world based on our authentic self, our total and full self at all times in all places with all people. That is the most 
idealized romanticized version of mental health in action. So even though I'm kind of talking about some relational warnings um, and stuff like that, it's really still a lesson in mental health. And we all need mirroring. We all need to hear and see the important parts of us get engaged and reflected back. And you can do that as someone's friend or family member or date while you're out with them. Um, and we want to do that for other people. So we want to really be aware of that. There's nothing more lonely than being around individuals, other people, and feeling as though, again, who you are isn't important or who you are isn't being engaged. So sometimes you have to remind someone, though, that maybe they're not and you know, taking, uh, how would you say? Yeah. It's nice to remind people that like they're occupying all of the space and to make some space for you as well. Not everyone's aware of themselves. Um, but you know, again, if that's kind of a consistent reoccurrence with that friend or that family member, it's very understandable that that's not someone that you then enjoy spending future time with. And sadly, we don't live in a culture where people are really comfortable being told what it's like to relate to them. Like, hey, listen, I've had a really great time with you, but it often feels like you don't really take notice of me being there or take an interest in who I am, what's going on in my life. It would mean a lot if you could ask me some questions. I think that's a beautiful soundbite that I just gave. And I want us to be all, I want us all to be able to hear that. But for some people, they're, you know, they're very fragile and that's very threatening. It's very overwhelming and the relationship can't handle that much honesty. But I want to live in a world where we can do that you know, said with love, because it's really a sign that I want to be able to keep you in my life. And this is what's necessary to do that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about um, how to be a better person. Isn't that really what all this is about? How to be a better person. Um, and we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Someone says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Richie. I'm feeling very dependent on my partner, and I can tell, I can, that it is overwhelming them. All right, so your dependence is overwhelming them. Got it. Doesn't mean that you're the problem. Maybe they don't understand natural, secure relationships, which our required dependence. We form primary relationships with people and dependence is a natural healthy part of that. But we'll, we'll see what the rest of your question says. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Uh, so your question said, of feeling dependent on my partner, I can tell it's overwhelming them. I'm still working from home and he goes out and he goes to his job. All right. When he comes home, all I want to do is talk and be all over him, but he's tired, which I understand. I'm trying to be patient, but two years into this pandemic and it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. I feel like I'm pushing him away, but generally want his time. Any, uh, are other couples going through this? How have they been doing? Yeah, of course. And this is something that's standard. Um, often when people come home from work or being out in the world, they need to transition back in. You've been home all day and working from home allows you to kind of, kind of ebb and flow. You've gotten familiar having work while at home. So those blurred boundaries feel more familiar to you, but it can be a harder, harder hit or a harder transition for someone to be in work mode and then come home to house mode. So I would say, give them, give them time. Let them have a little symbolic transitional ritual. Let them come home, take off their work clothes, take a shower. And then once they're like settled, you'll, you'll literally see it on their face. They'll be like, all right, I'm home now. Maybe they're wearing something different. They're sitting on the couch. They'll kind of look at you in a very open, receptive way. They might even say, how was your day? So when they first come home, don't go running up to them. You can give them maybe a kiss or a hug and say, hey, and acknowledge their home. But then just let them be for a good 15 to 20, 30 minutes and let them kind of go through their process. And if you pay attention, you'll notice that they naturally go through some symbolic ritual. The first thing they do is maybe grab something to eat or they go in and change and shower. Let them go through that process. And then when they look like they've settled down, then you can reconnect with them. Um, I tell people to do it in the inverse. I say to them, if you come home and you feel like your family immediately has questions and needs you to do things, explain to them whatever it is you need. Like, hey, when I get home, give me 20 to 30 minutes and let me shower, let me change. And when I'm changed or showered or we, we've eaten, then you'll know that that means I'm ready to be 
partner or dad or whatever it is, because it's, it's like a psychological transition as well, where we went from being boss, we went from being a barista, we went from being a therapist or whatever it is. And we're wearing that cap and we're thinking through that lens and we're holding all that energy. And then we come home, we have to now transition to partner mode or parent mode. It's a different part of our ego. It's a different part of our identity. And some people are really easy at that. Some people, they go through that process on the drive home. They like shake off work and they take their tie off and they play some music. And for other people, it's when they get home that they go through that. So just allow that natural transition process and even call it out. Say, hey, I noticed that sometimes I'm so excited to see you when you get home that I think I don't allow you to go through your natural transitioning process into home life. And um, what, what do you think you need from me? Is it time? Is there anything I can do? How will I know? when you're ready, make it a conversation. Um, but a lot of people aren't even aware that that's a thing or that that's necessary. But transitions are really important relationally, socially, and psychologically. When we first wake up, we don't often want to get you know, asked a lot of questions. We're like, let me wake up. Let me wash my face. Let me have a cup of coffee. Or the same thing with going to sleep. You're like, I have to watch a certain kind of TV show before bed, or I have to like turn the lights off. Or Transitions and rituals are really important for us. So um, all's well. A lot of couples go through this. This is something I talk a lot about. And um, yeah, so apply that. See how that goes. But I would say make it a conversation because maybe your partner has some elements they can add to it that we're not considering, you know? Or maybe we're reading it all wrong. I don't even know. Maybe sometimes they're just cranky from the day. Who knows? But we're not going to decide for them. We're going to let them tell us. All right, y'all. That is our show. Spend the rest of your night focused in uh, tons of self-care as much pleasure as you can come up with. Find something just to give you a little burst of joy, whether it's eating your favorite snack, putting on your favorite show, staying up an extra hour, whatever it is. We need a little extra joy built into our lives. Um, be kind to those around you. Be kind to yourself, but also be kind to those around you. Still going through some tough times. Drop in the bar a little bit. We'll be back tomorrow night, though, so join us. Check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. See you good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.